Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. My name is Nick Hayes, Managing Director of Media Stable. I've got Lana Hill here. I'm here. I'm in the house. You're in the house. We're social distancing <laughs> still. We are 1.5 metres away. 1.5 metres away. You, you never know, though, when you're doing a pre-record that it could be end up being one metre away or, you know, 30 centimetres away Whoa. or six and a half metres away. It's a dangerous world we live in. It's, you just don't know when you're pre-recording some of these <laughs> podcasts. But we've got uh, a man who is... Uh, he's a brand futurist. He's also been going through a little special project of yeah, a couple of weeks ago uh, around rationing and, and working through that that sort of World War II time rationing. Uh, yes. Really fascinating stuff. Can't wait to dive deep into this. But a brand futurist, someone who is looking ahead, looking to see what we will be doing in the future. And, and never has there been a bigger time that we've needed someone like this to come onto this podcast and tell us what we're going to be experiencing in the very future. Tony Eads from Sold and Stone. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Good morning. Yes, very well. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. Tony, just talk us through this rationing program that you're doing. Before we dive deep into your expertise and your experience, because I know that uh, you've recently, over just a couple of weeks ago, just did a piece on 3AW. You've done it on 6PR to talk about it. There is some genuine interest in this this rationing element. What, what, what was this all about? You know, the, 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 the interesting part about it, Nick, is that my wife and I were just, you know, discussing all the craziness that we've all experienced through this COVID-19. You know, the hoarding, all of that craziness at the beginning, the toilet rolls missing on the shelves, and, uh. and just sort of started to compare that to well, what would it be like if we actually had a real crisis happening, a, a world war or something, and how did they cope not for six months of isolation, living in a beautiful home with you know, told, told to stay home with Netflix on, on tap and Facebook and internet and everything. But back in the war times, when it was for six years plus, yeah. rations and uh, the, just the, uh, the little old radio to listen to. How'd you, how did you cope? Uh, well, to be honest, we're actually doing it for the second week as we speak right now. Right. So we, we did it for one week as a trial. Uh, we're doing it for a second week this week. Um, and my son's the only one out of the family of four of us that's uh, kind of dipped out. I think the convenience of having Uber Eats on tap was a bit too hard for him for a week. So he's, he's back to that. As long as I don't see any of it, I'm okay. Oh, nice work. Well, I mean, look, hats off to you because I reckon it, it has been sort of compared to that World War Two mm. times. It seems mm. that particularly when a government takes and puts restrictions on its people that, and, you know, you talk about the hoarding and the panic buying. I mean, you know, the toilet paper's back on the shelves there now. But I tell you, there was certain angst that was going on in the, in the community, the fact that they felt that they probably might have to use the newspaper one day to, to do it. Um, but it, it does cause that, doesn't it? We've never seen anything like this before. No, no. And, you know, as you introduced me as a brand futurist, it got me thinking about, well, what does that mean for the future? Not just as a brand, but as, as you know, the Australian people or the world. Like, if we can't just cope and, you know, look out for each other rather than hoarding from each other, how would it work? And that's what this week has taught us, like um, what I've got out of it anyway by doing this, this rationing is that it makes you think about the other people in your family. 
Like if you're taking the butter, it, will there be enough to last at the end of the week? Yeah. It makes you, you you know think about using those rations wisely. Um, and I'll tell you what, it actually takes a lot of the hassle out. Like a, a lot of us feel right now through COVID-19, very overwhelmed with the uncertainty and everything. But mm. being able to go to the cupboard and there's only 50 grams of black tea in there instead of a multitude of flavoured teas to choose from, <laughs> you know, we, we, we kind of, we, I think we've made our, our lives a little bit more complicated than they really need to be. So, Tony, I'm a bit of a brand uh, enthusiast um, and we'll, uh, I want to ask you a, a second question. But my first question to you, Tony Eads, is uh, what do you think the role of brand is in the current, uh, you know, COVID-19 crisis? What role does mm. brand play? Yeah, it's a very good question. I think if you, if we, you know, if we just stick on the, the, the war connection just for a moment, some of the brands, and you know, the, I, I remember doing a lot of research about this when I was back in my uni days. I think we went through this. If you look at some of the key brands that continue to market, continue to be there during the tough times of World War II, those brands inevitably ended up becoming the market leaders. And the ones that stopped, that cut back, that that just you know went quiet, were the ones that we don't hear about anymore. Yeah. You know, from breakfast cereals to a bunch of other things. I remember the old commercials back in the UK for Hover's Bread. You know, that went on to be one of the leading bread brands because they were there through the war period. So I think brand more so has to be connected with the, with the consumer and con- connected with the market in the good times as well as the bad times. I love that, Tony. It's such an important message, not just to brands, but to experts as well. And the reason I'm going to bring experts into this is because those experts and those commentators, those leaders uh, that we have been listening to, watching, reading pre-COVID-19, those that have gone into the bunkers, they're not going to be around post-COVID-19. Because to your point there, Tony, it's the it's the it's these are the brands and the people that we're listening to and reading and watching now that we'll be listening, reading, and watching into the future. It, it's so true, Nick. And you know, when you think about it, it's you know we need not only the brands, but the brands that are leading us and the leaders behind the brands. You know, yes. we, we you know we're, when we're in a world of uncertainty, you know, we're, where are our leaders? Like we've looked obviously to you know our Prime Minister Scott Morrison. But, but it's not just, you know, government, they're, they're doing their part, but it's also like, you know, we want some certainty in a, in a world of uncertainty. And sometimes the brands just have to come out there to say, look, we're, we're still open for business. We're still here to support you. Yeah, we might have to pivot slightly and how we deliver our service or our product is slightly different, but we understand what you're going through as a customer. We're on the same level as you, um, but we're still going to be here for you. I think it's a great point you've touched on there, Tony, about the brands of leaders and even the brands of a country. You know, they're, they're big kind of entities, obviously. We think about business brands. But that leads me to my next question. What does brand mean to you, Tony? What is a brand? Yeah, the, a brand in, in essence has like a number of different layers, as, as, as you, would, you guys would know. But you know, and you think about it, a lot of people think, uh, you know, originally when I first, uh, you know, talked to even smaller businesses, but sometimes even bigger businesses about a brand, they think it's just a fancy logo or, or a catchy kind of uh, USP or a tagline. But the brand is, is a lot more about what the brand isn't saying. The, the, best, ex, the best kind of um, uh, example of what a brand is, I heard, is a brand is what people are saying about you when you're not around. Yes. And if you think about that for a moment, it's so true. It's like, you, you can be there advertising, you can be there in front of people and you can be telling them how good your brand is and what you stand for and who you are, your values and everything like that. But what are they saying when you're not there, when they're out talking to their friends, when they're on social, sharing their experience? 
what is your brand voice when you're not actually there to direct it? Yeah, I, I love that. It's it's very similar to the media. Like media, what you hear and see and read in media is what journalists are out there to tell you or, or, or covering the stories that brands or, or not only use brands, but what the message they don't want you to hear because the rest of it's all mm. PR, public relations. So it's very similar in that sort of space there too. I, I, I'm... I, I, when I think of brands, I, I think of yes, the probably originally goes straight to that sort of logo, um, and 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 there's also that question as to whether I really want to hear from brands in this mm. time, and and I and mm. I want to throw this to you, Tony, because I think there is a responsibility for brands to remind not just their customers but the people that that subscribe to what they do is that. We need them more now than we've ever needed them because we need to know that they're still around. We need to know that they're up and about. We we do a hundred percent because you know they, they, you know we said before like they, there's so much uncertainty and that's the stuff that that I think psychologically um, that, you know really disturbs people. You know when there's when there's uncertainty when the world you know, if you remember the very beginning of COVID which is only like you know for us here in Australia probably about a month ago that things really started to hit. Um, as you know, Nick, you know you and I wrote an event in in Adelaide, yeah. um, and then literally as soon as we left that event, it was like it all started to escalate. Level two, level three, level four, yeah. and and people just had no idea. Yeah, it's uh, it, it did escalate pretty quick. While we're talking about Adelaide, because this is probably a segue to a topic I wanted to cover with you, you've just been recently appointed the uh, president of the Professional Speakers Australia, and that particular event that you talked about in Adelaide was probably the last event that I ever went that I've gone to. So far. <laughs> it was probably one of the last ones in Australia, I think, of over a hundred people. I, I think, and it was completely ironic the fact that it's it's everyone that was in that room was going to be deeply affected by this COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, the reality, I, I, I remember being there sitting down and, and phones around me were literally dinging, ding, 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 ding. And they were cancellations of gigs that they had coming oh. forward. And in a matter of 24, 48 hours, some people lost in the vicinity of anything up to half a million to a million dollars worth of business. In, in, in a 48-hour period. And, Tony, I want to ask you this question because you've, you've been handed the, the gauntlet. You've been handed the – oh, God, I hate to say this. Not the, I, How do you see this? What kind of chalice is it? Is it a poison one or is it, one, is it, a, is it a chalice of opportunity as the, as the prez of the PSA? What challenging times that speakers have in front of them? Yeah, I, it, it, it's an interesting way to put it because it is. It, it is. You're like, I, I mean, on on the day, I'm handed the golden microphone, which is the traditional thing that you get handed down from president to president. But is that disguised as the poison goblet or not? But I think it's how you it's, it's how you take it. It's down to mindset. Yeah. I've always been, you know, one of the things that you know, and I, I, like everybody, you've gone through business highs and business lows. Um, you know, and and this is what people are going through now. You know, through COVID nineteen, and I think as long as you can see. You focus on the horizon, right? And and you have to deal with things. I actually, it was funny because my wife said to me um, a little while ago, she said, you actually thrive in, uh, you know, despair. You thrive in these times when you're challenged. And I think that's probably a good thing to have, you know, even though you know, I, I, she didn't say to me that I thrive when things are good. She said they would thrive when things are bad. So I'm hoping that carries through. But I think the way that we've had to think creatively on our feet. I'm a, generally a creative person. I think all of us have to get deep into our creative selves and say, not we can't do something, but more how can we do it? 
And I think this, uh, you know, the four weeks or so that I've been, you know, running, um, you know, being part of PSA and, and, and being the president has, has forced me to be creative and to bring, you know, people around me to be creative. And it's just been so awesome. And I think not just our industry, but in every industry, how people who you never would have thought um, have given the opportunity to support have come in and come up with ideas. We've had, you know, speakers. We did our first national virtual event, which is, you know, hasn't been done before last month, and it, and it was a big success. We had, you know, two lead speakers um, in the US because obviously they're the same as us. This is a global pandemic, so yeah. these guys aren't working either. Um, they're available. They want to help the speaking industry. They're not even in our country, but they stayed up late. You know, it was eight, nine, ten o'clock for them in in America, and they they gave an hour of their time to to share how they were coping and getting through by running virtual events and you know online courses and things like that. So I just think we have to be more creative and say, you know, how can we do something? We need to do something. Bottom line, like we were saying about brands before, we have to do something. If we don't do anything, there's no benefit and it's all just curling up in the corner. Like it's still there when you wake up. <laughs> it certainly is still there when you wake up. Tony, talking about speaking in general as a profession, and uh, I think there's a lot of people listening, I know there's a lot of people listening that want to be professional speakers or want to get better at speaking and uh, add it as an income stream into their business. What do you think makes a good speaker? Um, yeah, I look, I, there are so many elements, so many layers to a good speaker. Um, but I, I think at the end of the day, and, and I've heard many different things, we could probably do a whole podcast <laughs> on what makes a decent speaker. Um, but, but in my experience, I think one of, one of the key things, and it probably goes back, I'm going to sort of defer to my branding background, is what's your point of difference? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I've been part of with PSA as a member, um, then on the board and now as president that I've seen in, in talking with many members and many people in speaking is some people aren't clear about their positioning. Like, why are you different to the next person? Like, if you ask a room of, you know, um, speakers or leaders sometimes, you, you, you say, what's your topic? And they all put their hand up when you say, uh, do you talk on leadership? Yeah, it's too general. You know, yeah. it's just like me saying, oh, I'm another marketing guy. Like, you have to have that point of difference. And I think you'd agree, Nick, from a media perspective, like, if you're not noisy, if you're not seen as being different, then you just go into this sea of sameness with everybody else. Oh, I totally agree with you, Tony. And this is the thing that most speakers need to work out, and not just speakers, experts, commentators. Yeah. People have got to find their own niche, find their unique point of difference, and really celebrate that. Because if you just want to be a clone of someone else that's out there and try to do what they're doing, like you know, I get criticised quite a bit because my sometimes my face uh, expressions when I'm trying to do some comedy. Looks a little bit like um, <laughs> what's that fella from Channel Ten? Uh, um, you know, oh, I've forgotten his name now. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm I'm sort of you know that's that's all I know. But the thing is, I'm not trying to be funny half the time. I'm just using his <laughs> expressions and stuff. Like that. But I would I can't re- you can't replace him. You've got to be no. yourself. You've got to be unique. Yep. You've got to be different, and you've got to be memorable. So yep. you know, to your point, what makes a good speaker, Lana? I I, I reckon an audience right now would make a really good speaker. Geez, <laughs> it'd be nice yeah. to have an audience. And, and again, a speaking opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> a booking. Just a booking. A, a booking, single booking. Booking would be nice, wouldn't it? In all seriousness, so yeah, Tony, that's a great point about uh, you know, the point of difference. And I think it's something that uh, is is really important to those in general that are looking to get into the media. But I think it's also why professional speakers 
generally do very well in the media because they know how to position themselves. They've done that work. Uh, you know, they understand their own brand and they can then transition that across into traditional media. So it's so true, Lana. I, I think if you if you look at if you look at kind of two things, it's it's a way. I, I think it always it always comes down to you know not just the positioning and 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 having that kind of brand USP, if you like, but also the story that you tell. You know, and obviously that's one thing I've I've learned a lot of um, working with Media Stable is just to to pull out of what stories work, really get engaging, and stories that that perhaps just you know, again may, maybe look like they're part of everybody else's kind of story. So I think. Having a good story is great, but a lot of people out there may have a good story, but they just don't have the professionalism in a, in a you know, speaking community or whatever to actually communicate that story effectively. So I think this is where that, that kind of um, package, if you like, comes together. You can't have a great story and a poor presentation the same way as you can't have a good presentation mm. and an average story. Yes. So agree. And it was Dave Hughes I was thinking of. I'm a mixture between a Dave Hughes <laughs> and a Sam Newman because I put on the face and all that good stuff. And it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I... I go with Sam Newman and Dave Hughes. I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Thanks, he's not mate. the he's a funny guy. The funny guy. <laughs> yeah, Sam Newman Jeepers, and he's popular at the moment. Hey, um, <laughs> can I just talk to you a little bit about some of your recent media success there, sure. Tony? Because as a brand futurist, it's it's sort of it's 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 an expertise that sort of just doesn't immediately jump off the page. But we do love the word futurist in media. We love visionary pieces. We love the look ahead. Um, you've had some success with the Sydney Morning Herald, Three AW. You've been doing that kind of thing. What what where do you where's that sort of just all of a sudden come from? Is it just that the content is more timely, more relevant, or is it something you've just been working on? I think I think it's something I've been working on. It's, it's also, as I mentioned there, just just uh, a moment ago as well about so just um, just being able to bounce the ball with um, you guys at Media Stable, just to to be able to say, well, what works? Um, you know, Susie's very good from from your team and sort of sending me through angles. Some of them, I think, can I go that way? Can I can't? She's kind of pushed me a bit to go for things that maybe I normally traditionally wouldn't have. Right. And I think that's important. We have to we have to push ourselves out of our traditional boundary. If we just yes. talk about the comfort zone. We're not noi- we're not being noisy. It's like I, I love I love the idea to be able to you know, like take something that you you know normally wouldn't speak about and then find an angle because that's going to give the freshness that wasn't there. That if you just went to somebody who's an expert in that particular industry, um, I think as well in terms of the like you said before about brand futurists, I spent a fair bit of time you know talking with a couple of mentors and and a few different people just in terms of coming up with what you know who am I or what am I being clear on that. And I think even like, as I was saying before, the word futurist can be also seen as, oh, you're just another futurist. So there's, you know, futurists in the true sense where they're looking forward to technology, Mm. you know, flying cars, where we're going to be in 2030. And that's all great fun, but that's not me. And then there's the people that are consumer futurists where they're just working on, you know, consumer taste and consumer product trends and that kind of stuff. And that's not really me. But really where I can't come back to is I thought, no, I'm actually, I'm a brand guy first and foremost. I've worked with brands. I understand brands, the importance of brands. But being a brand futurist is saying, well, how would this brand today and everybody's brand look like a year, two, three, four, five, you know, 10 years from now? So it's actually more kind of feet on the ground, head in the sky, trying to work on that kind of stuff. So I think getting clear about 
why I'm a different futurist to a general futurist is, is number one. And then secondly, really working on those angles that's kind of pushed me out of just talking about brand as I would normally be comfortable about talking about. Yes, and what a great shout-out for our Susie, uh, oh, yeah. wonderful woman that she is. But that's a, a, such a good point, Tony, and that freshness. You, you mentioned freshness. It's so critical to getting that cut-through in media and not just cut-through in media in general, high-impact, mm. you know, wonderful mm. high-profile media. It's a credit to you. Yeah, yeah, thanks very much. I had to I actually did uh, – with PSA, we actually had an event um, – just last week, and, and I caught up for a, a separate conversation with um, Maz Ferrelly. Um, oh, yes, I don't know if you Maz. know Maz. I yeah. met Maz in uh, Adelaide. She's she's a cracker. She's, she, 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 she is a cracker. Produ- she's a producer of um, Big Brother. She's been a producer yes. of some of the some of the top oh, wow. rating programs around the country. I, I love meeting Maz. Yeah, well, she well, she was telling me like the weakest link um, when she was working, yes. um, you know, in in, uh, in the UK. <laughs> she she actually got that one up and running, and how big that. Uh, married, married at first sight. She was involved in that. But wow. there's, a, there's a number. She, like she, but the interesting thing that I, I got from her, and, and I caught up with a conversation with her afterwards, is, is she just kept saying the same thing all the time. She said, "You have to be noisy." Yeah. Like we, we you know, it, it's probably a little less. Well, unless you're talking about COVID and coping with crisis, which is quite noisy. It's kind of like we need to be thinking about what's next now. And you and I spoke about this the other day, Nick, is kind of what's beyond COVID, right? This is going to end at some point and people are going to be left thinking, okay, hang on, uh, I've made all these changes to survive and hunker down in these, this kind of crisis. What do I do now? My business, like, it continues. Um, so I think we need to be thinking more about that. But we have to be noisy in any, any way we do because people will remember things that are memorable, like different. Um, and I think we don't push that enough. I just see so many people, and this is also from marketing and advertising, not just you know speaking and content and even media, but it's just that, you know, what, what is the angle? What, what is the point of difference? Why haven't I heard about this before? Why haven't I seen this before? Why is your take fresh, something different? And I think people thrive on, on wanting to know more about a different approach, not the same thing all over again. I love that, Tony. I love it. I love the fact that you've given this three minutes before the close when I ask you the question, give me your gold nugget, give me the bit of advice that you give to someone moving forward because you're going to have to come up with another one now, brother. Well done. I I did. No, I enjoy that because that noisy and and from Maz's perspective too, and she'll know this because she has been a part of some of the the biggest leading programs in this country and overseas. And um, she sat in on one of our media workshops that we did at PSA. And she just sent me a little note as we were bringing in Sunrise to, to come in and do a little special deal, a little special presentation. And she's just sort of made mention, I've done a bit of this before if you need, me, if you need my help. And I looked down and I was just shocked by the programs that she'd covered. And it was just so impressive. And then she came afterwards and just said, oh, that was just brilliant. I, I, I do like her. I really like what she's up and about. And that piece of advice, be noisy. You can Don't go around thinking that, you know, everyone's going to find you and discover you. Yes. Don't think for one no. second no. that media is going to pick up the phone and say, hello, Tony Eads, I hear you're a brand futurist. Let's have a chat about the future of this particular brand. They're not going to do it. They're not just not going to no. do it. And anyone no. out there that thinks that it's going to happen, they're kidding themselves. You've got to be noisy. But the other big thing, and I like what you're doing at the moment, Tony, is that you prepare and put together content and you put together a lot of it and a lot of good content and that's right Mm. now what is needed 
is people cannot be in that bunker. They've got to get out of that bunker and start producing content. This is the big message that we're sending around at the moment. You've got to do that. And you do that so well. Yeah, no, thanks, Nick. And, and, and it's something I, you know, I, I naturally like to do. But you, you, I think in, inside all of us, we're about sharing. Like we want to share our experience. We want to share you know, our knowledge and, and, and whatever and help as many people as we can. I was going to say just probably one other nugget. It's not. It's probably not hey, even hey, nugget. Tony, but... Tony, you should Tony, save it, Tony. Tony, you've got one more minute before you can give us a nugget. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, go on. Give it to us. Give it to us. I didn't realize I was on the clock here. No, no. Give it to us now. Give it. Go on. Give no, it. No, so I was going to say, just the other side to being noisy is is ultimately you've got to be authentic. And it goes back to what we were saying before about brand. Like, you know, the people out there today, consumers, your audience, they're super smart people. Yeah. People are so smart. They won't be, you know, bulldozed now with with. With, with stuff that's not true, you know, um, just being authentic. And I tell you what, there's so many things are in my past when I, even in my early days of speaking and I would be up there and, you know, speaking about stuff and, you know, re- regurgitating other, other people's opinions or regurgitating other people's research. And, and until I actually got comfortable with my own self and that I've got a story to tell and, and my story is just as important as somebody else's. That, there's my seem like it's better. That, um, I, come, I found more offensive. Does that come with yeah. age, Tony? Do you think? Does that come with age, or does it come with confidence? <laughs> well, hopefully, I, I hope it's a bit of both. But uh, but some people, some people, some people make it be 70, 80 years old and still haven't quite discovered it. So uh, maybe it's not all about age. I think it's about experience. And I think that you know, the more you put yourself out there, like you said, the more content you write. The more you challenge yourself and push your boundaries and do things that normally traditionally you wouldn't do, I think you come out as a better person for it. Ah, gorgeous, Tony. Well done. No, that's really good advice, and and it's something that we want to hit home, uh, big time at Media Stable. Is you know, put your hands up, put make it be loud, get your content out there, and also to get a bit of help and support. I think we all need this, and particularly in times like this, Lana, is that we need a bit of help and support. Um, you know, we just recently finished off the Digital Meet the Media program. Yes, we did. That was designed specifically to go away and help people work out what media wants today and also to to give people a bit of support because we really need a bit of support during these times. Yeah, I think everyone does and I think you're right, Nick. But one of the, I think one of the positives to come out of, you know, this whole crisis is that people are using it as a time to hone their craft or even learn a totally new skill. So be it speaking, be it producing content, writing, whatever it is, I think, you know, and that, that positive attitude to what is a really challenging situation, those are the people that are going to come out of it. Certainly are. Tony, quick fire with you. What's the future of speaking? What's it look like in the next one month, six months time? What, where, where are you seeing it going? Uh, in terms of future of speaking, I, I think, um, you know, obviously everything right here, right now is virtual. Yeah. Um, I've been starting to think about, you know, what's that going to look like? As soon as we go back, you know, post-COVID, uh, we're all going to be now, what, what has happened, which I think has been fantastic, is people that are, you know, been a bit, been a bit slow to, uh, to kind of move to the virtual world of doing Zoom and doing stuff like that, now have been forced to do it. Yep. So I think people are going to be a lot more receptive to, you know, to, to going online. Um, I'm certainly looking at, I've just bought a couple of cameras. Um, I, I, I do strategy sessions. Um, I'm actually going to be doing those strategy sessions now, offering those on a global perspective because I believe, you know, with what we're learning through virtual and, and some of the, you know, software that we can use that I could run, you know, an in-house, the same as I would an in-house session in the office, I can run globally. And as soon as you can do it virtually, you can do it globally. And then all of a sudden you start thinking. So I think it's made, personally, I think, 
from a futurist perspective, it's brought the world closer. Like we've never had a pandemic that's actually, you know, well, I wouldn't say never, but to this degree, you know, world wars, when you think about it, it, sure. it wasn't all countries at once. It was bit by bit. But now this was one thing that we were all in it together, wherever you were, whatever, even whatever age you were, you know, we, we've all been affected by it and we've been affected by it globally. And once we get through it, we've all got through it together. We'll always remember COVID-19, but we will never forget the way that we have dealt with it and the way that we've yep. come out of it. And I think that's uh, something there, compare that to World War II, um, a great comparison. And that was a great piece of content that you did, that ration that ration uh, uh, content in times like this is, is just incredible. Before I let you go um, and before your wife serves you up some tripe and... Uh, oh, thanks for reminding and, me. And maybe a little... <laughs> Can we stay there longer? Oh, no, we've got to go. But look, um, because that's what they ate back in those days for the rations. But uh, look, yep. thanks, Tony. Thanks for that. And, and a really great uh, messages, not just the messages there as far as an expert and a commentator in the media, Lana, but also to as the head of the PSA, Professional Speakers Australia, um, obviously probably one industry that has been absolutely not decimated, uh, but very much affected oh. by this particular pandemic. And, uh, and looks as though they've got some good leadership and vision there as to how Absolutely. this is all going to come out. Hey, uh, that's it for another Experts podcast. Hey, um, Tony Eads. Tony Eads, how can people get in contact with you if they want to uh, reach out to you? Um, so generally speaking, I think LinkedIn works really, really well. So if you um, – it's just Tony E-D-A-D-E-S on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect with, with everyone. I've got quite a – quite a strong community on there. I've been using LinkedIn a fair bit and um, that's probably the best way or um, just, you know, check out sortedstone.com um, and you'll find me there as well. I heard LinkedIn works pretty well too, Lana. I've, <laughs> yeah. I've heard, it, I've heard it's you? been going all right. Well, I, you should try it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you there. We'll, uh, we'll we'll book in a LinkedIn date. Yeah, it looks beautiful. <laughs> Tony, Love it. thank you. Tony Eads from Salted State. Thank you. thank you very much for joining us on the Experts Podcast. Well, that's it for us, another Experts Podcast. We look forward to catching up with you next week when we catch up with either a media or an expert. Uh, until then, we look forward to catching up with you. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.